I, I think sometimes to go to your first question about the rom-com, there's this like, well, we can't do the same thing. It's a formula. We have to change it. And I think there's something unsatisfying in that because it is, it is a fun genre. No, totally. <laughs> so is blowing shit up, you know? And like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In today's episode, Marriage at First Sight leads to an unlikely romance in director Kat Koiro's new romantic comedy, Marry Me. When pop star Kat Valdez learns that her fiancé has been unfaithful seconds before their wedding in front of a global audience of fans, she decides to marry Charlie, a middle school math teacher and stranger in the crowd, instead. In addition to Marry Me, Ms. Coiro's directorial credits include the pilot episodes of Girls 5 Eva and Florida Girls, and episodes of the series Libra, Single Parents, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and The Mick. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Ms. Coiro shares insight into the making of Marry Me with fellow director Gillian Robespierre. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. So we were just talking briefly downstairs and I asked Kat, when did you shoot this? And the end of 2019, we were in post um, when the pandemic happened. So it's been a long time. We got pushed, our release date got pushed three times. And, you know, when they settled on Valentine's Day weekend, um, we were, we thought we were kind of in the clear and then Omicron happened and so many things got canceled. They put it on a streamer. Uh, so it's been quite a journey. Yeah, but you got to shoot and direct uh, before directing was behind masks, and your crew was able to interact with each other. And you were the last movie to probably shoot in New York City. Yeah, it was normal. It's interesting because I've been shooting all through the pandemic. I did Girls Five Eva, and then I the pilot of Girls Five Eva, and then I did She Hulk. And um, there's such a difference communication and just feeling like you know people <laughs> no I don't even want to talk about it now I don't want to do it. um because I feel I want to talk about joy because this movie brings a lot of joy and I feel like th- that COVID does not <laughs> this um, is this is fact and rom-coms you know are my one of my favorite genres um and I think that you know a lot of People talk about it now in in 2022 as a genre that is extinct. I think this is fully a sexist conversation because the rom-com, Charlie Chaplin made rom-coms, you know, the rom-coms of the 40s and 50s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like, I don't see a time when rom-com hasn't been a genre. I mean, there's ebbs and flows, but that is like the statement that is made is the rom-com is dead are you bringing back and like the rom-com has never died and i i find it really interesting it's like people want it to be dead (laughs) right there's no no joy in anybody anymore but and i do (laughs) want to talk about this movie a lot but i want to start with like getting to this stage and how um what a chance it is to become a director how hard it is to get to the stage um, man or woman, it is very hard to become a DGA member. Um, Everyone so, here is DGA, right? Yeah, totally. Yay. 
So <laughs> yay, TGA. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know what I always find so interesting is everybody's journey is so different. And I teach teenagers sometimes and, you know, they get out their pen and they're like, what was your journey? And I'm like, it, my journey is my journey and your journey is going to be your journey. Mine started, I started acting when I was very young, middle school. I went to a performing arts high school on a scholarship. I went to a conservatory and uh, that was my path. And it was mainly my path because I didn't know anything else. I knew, you know, I would watch a movie and see the actor and know I wanted to do that. Um, but as soon as I started acting, I felt like I really wanted to be more of behind the camera storyteller. So I started writing shorts the you know, for no money. I ended up making a little viral video that kind of got me agents. And, and then I was like, I got to get serious. What was it about? Oh, it's called idiots. And it, I recorded my daughter and her friend talking and then had some actors kind of, you know, dubbed them with the baby voices, but it was a, it was, it was a hit. People loved it online. And, um, and all the time I'd been writing and making things and I, I ended up going to AFI um, to learn, you know, I knew the story and the writing and the acting side of things, but I wanted to go learn about the technical side of things. And while I was at AFI, this film I had written got funding and I went and I made it for, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I did that for a while. I made micro indies all under the $300,000 um, budget. And then I went into writing. I wrote some pilots and then I went into episodic um, and I was I was really loving episodic and starting to get into directing pilots when Marry Me came along. Yeah, your IMD page, IMDb page is amazing. It, it <laughs> a lot of lists stuff. Every fantastic <laughs> comedy that's been shot in the past, you know, ten years, you have directed an episode. Well, yes, there's also a lot of crazy stuff on there, and that's. <laughs> we won't have to talk about that. <laughs> well, you know, I always, I always All tell those people. Porns that you didn't. <laughs> No, but you know, so many shorts. I did a short for Virgin Airlines that was all shot on planes as they flew around the world, passenger planes full of people. And, you know, my DP and I came up with an LED system and Velcroed it to the top. And I always say it's those things that really taught me, you know, it's, it's the, it's that, that training ground was really valuable. Yeah, the short film that changed my life was actually Jane Campion's short film called Peel. I I've in, never seen it's it. It's so good. It's probably on Criterion or somewhere. Um, and it's just about a, a family going on a road trip, and this kid is peeling an orange in the backseat and kicking his dad. And it's just so, it's like seven minutes of pleasure. And I was in um, film school at the time. I was going to be an editor because I did not think. I could direct. There's no way that could be a job for, you know, it seems very impossible and it seemed very impossible because there weren't very many role models to look up to. And I saw this movie and, and it just changed my idea of what I could possibly do. And it was such a simple and beautiful story. I wonder where Jane Campion is now. I know. Poor dear. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little unknown. Um, so yeah, so you, so you started doing shorts and then you got into episodic and then JLo called you up and was like, I have a movie. <laughs> so how do you go from, well, it's interesting. I had, I, I switched age, I switched television agents 
And uh, so I went to CAA and I signed with these lovely agents there for TV, but I did not have a feature, um, a feature agent. And I got this call one night from this guy and he said, I saw your short, the virgin one departure date. And he goes, I've watched it 30 times. I cried every time. And I was like, Ooh, are you okay? Um, but he said, I want to be your feature agent. And you know, this was a short I'd really made for nothing. And I said, yes, please. That would be great. And this was the second script he sent me. And it has a lot of overlaps with the short. It's a ridiculous premise. It's very romantic and hopeful. And, um, so he sent me in to meet the producer and we, and I think I, I think I had a sense like, this is so big. I have not tread into the studio territory at all. So I was very candid with my thoughts on the script and the producer, Elaine Goldsmith Thomas, who is uh, incredible. She was like, this is what we need, this insight into the script. And then she took me to meet Jennifer and here we are. And you said that Jennifer had the movie it was for 10 years. years. She was trying to get yeah. it made. I think Elaine and Jennifer are partners and they had developed it um, yeah, I think nine years ago and they'd tried to make it for years, you know, and then I've been on for four of those nine years. Okay. So that meeting was four years ago. Yeah. Two, wow. 2018. Yeah. Wow. And was it hard to, to get such a fun movie full of joy that doesn't have, you know, things that people seem to watch now, like, you know, like Euphoria, yes, where it's like yes. all depressing. dark and depressing. and like um, It was shockingly hard. We went into Turnaround. They had it set up at Universal, and then Universal put it into Turnaround. And when I came on, we went to STX, and then STX put it into Turnaround. And then we met every studio in town, went back to Universal, um, and they ended up making it. But... It was it was a, quite a journey, yeah. And the budget is small. Oh, um, yeah. Do you want, can you share that? Yeah, I think it's they're saying it now. I saw it online, so it's twenty. Um, you know, and that's all in. And you guys shot New York City to make it look so rich and beautiful. And I didn't see one city bike stand in there. <laughs> well, that's because um, we're sponsor sponsored by City National. <laughs> but um, it, it was just, it looked so beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, I know you can shoot something for, you know, very little money and make it look beautiful. But I also know that locations in New York are insanely expensive. And I think you did an amazing job. Thank you. Visually. And, and obviously, you know, the performance you got out of her too was so nice and like she's just magical. She is. And she, you forget about that because she's always, you know, on stage and yeah. dancing and that when she's dancing and like singing and I just feel like she's not a human. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a lot with the overlap of the character. Like when someone is so famous, you sometimes forget how talented they are. They become this image of themselves and she is just in, she's really incredible and such a hard worker. And she's a producer on the film and really, you know, an active producer really, um, you know, one of the things that we were so scared of with the budget was how do we make these concert sequences look legit and not look 
kind of dinky. And, you know, we worked with her music people to like get her costumes and the LED walls and the lighting. Um, because yeah, it would not work if the concerts felt small. Was Well, it looked great. And her, she looked fabulous in all of her outfits. Was there any concern from her? Or did you guys talk about the overlap between her life and this character's life being so similar? And- there was no concern. She was incredibly, you know, generous with that. We talked a lot about what the differences were. And there's differences in her style. And there's differences in her musical style. Um and then she really, you know, she really embraced the overlaps. And it's it's part of, I think, what makes her the only person in the world who could play this role is that she understands what it's like to live under the microscope. She understands what it's like to, you know, be torn apart, like raised up and then torn apart. And she has persevered over the years incredibly with kind of being made fun of. And, you know, when we when that scene when she goes back and Fallon is making fun of her, you know, that's something we talked about a lot. That stuff has happened to her. And you think, well, they don't care. They're so famous. But, of course, they do care. They're human. No, yeah. oh, she's in, she's terrific. I want her to be in a movie every year. Well, I, that's about to happen. She's got, like, three films under her belt since COVID. She's doing Shotgun Wedding and The Mother and something else. That's great. And, you know, they, I got to say, Jennifer and Elaine, so many people talk about, hiring female directors, they just keep doing it. They had Loreen on Hustlers, then me, the director of The Mother is Nikki Caro. It's pretty cool. Yeah, she got snubbed, though, during The Hustlers. I felt really like that performance really, yeah, she should have been nominated for all the rewards. Um, But they're also stupid. Who cares? (laughs) Um, Do you guys want to ask any questions? We can hear you just fine. You don't need a microphone. You can project... We can hear you. Any questions for Kat? Well, that was something we added very late in the game, the social media aspect of it all. You know, originally, I mean, it's had many, many iterations. And that was something, it's funny, when I talked to my cinematographer on our first meeting, we were talking about the concert where she picks him out of the audience. And we kind of said, wow, it'd be pretty cool if you saw it from all angles and you see people filming it because she lives her life you know, in that fishbowl with people filming her. And so that was actually something that came out very late in the process, the idea of incorporating the social media. And then, you know, the guy, um, Kofi, who follows her around, that was based on, I. they flew me out to Vegas to see her concert and there was someone there banking. And we were like, man, we gotta, we gotta incorporate that into the script. And it was a lot of drawing from her and Maluma's life, you know, which is just a different life than most people lead and kind of weaving it in, um, to the story. So yeah, it changed dramatically, um, from the beginning to the end. But I was, it's funny you ask that because I was so worried because it's been two years since we shot it. And I was like, what if all the emojis change? What if Instagram is no longer? <laughs> but I think we squeaked by. So the question was if Owen Wilson was always in the mix. Owen Wilson, I, I, you know, when I came on, the Cat Valdez role was really well, you know, well-conceived, well-developed. Um, you know, Jennifer had had a hand in that. And I really came on and I shaped Charlie, because he didn't have a daughter. He had become a teacher because he had a different career. You know, there were all these things that I 
infused. And as I started to really suss out who he was, which is such an important dynamic in the film, that he's not a hanger on, that he's not impressed by her lifestyle, that he's a man with a simple life, but a lot of dignity and integrity and, um, you know, him making lunch for his daughter and loving his job. And, you know, you, you just want her to end up with someone who, you know, maybe he's not rich and famous, but he's a really solid individual. And as soon as that stuff started to come to fruition, I was like, oh my gosh, it has to be Owen. Cause there are so many ways that could not work. Like her looking into the crowd and picking someone who, you know, is like a a model good looks or, you know, you you kind of want them to be completely unexpected together. And so for me, like pretty much from the beginning, I wanted Owen and I was so happy he wanted to do it. He's great. And they were so, they're so different in, in real life, but they have such admiration for each other. And so they kind of bring out really, I think, different sides of each other than we're used to seeing too, um, just because they, they kind of operate on different wavelengths. No, they did have such great chemistry and I haven't seen him in a long time, you know, and I, when you get to see your, one of your old, you yeah. know, indie guys, you're like, oh yeah, there he is. He's and I love that so they're, they're the same age. What? Like to me, it was, it's a lot about mature love. It's not the like fireworks, you know, abandon your life for this person, big gestures. It's about that small day-to-day stuff that you crave later in life. And the daughter is so good. She's amazing. Well, she was another one. Like she, she was the only one I knew her from big little lies. She was Zoe Kravitz's daughter. And I just always felt like she popped. Um, and so she was the only person we ever we ever considered for that. She's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. And she was like 10 playing 12, <laughs> which is just incredible. Cause she's so, cause yeah, she's only 13 Usually it's now. The opposite. Yeah. She's, she's a really, I mean, I remember Owen turning to me and being like, wow, she can really improv. Was there a lot of improv? Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but there definitely is Sarah, Michelle, Oh, and everyone sneaks in a line here and there. Yeah. yeah you know, so. when you're on a, as, as tight as we were, um, you know, you have to go in and just get the script, but I, you know, Sarah, I only, if people are watching, that's all Sarah. <laughs> I, I might've figured that. But Owen had some beautiful little moments that weren't necessarily scripted. Like when she says she's on the phone and she says, Charlie still. And then he goes, Charlie. Like that was a little, you know, lots of little flavor. Also, it seemed like at the end, at the math competition, there might have been some fun. Oh, with, oh, with Karsh and, yeah. and Owen. Yeah, there was so much we had to leave on the cutting room floor just to keep it going. But those two were really fun together. Ukarsh is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, my six-year-old came into my room when I was watching that part and she sat down and watched the end with me. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, she loved it. Kids it's, love it. Yeah. <laughs> It's really nice. And I feel like it's such a moment where I keep on saying the word joy, but that's what it is. It's just a joyous movie. And felt that that way making it, honestly. Like I got, I had the unusual experience of not watching it for a year and a half and then getting to go and watch it in a theater last week. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I I could be an audience member. Um, 
which you don't get to do very often, you know, and if I, if it had come out on the expected trajectory, I don't think I would have had that. No, you would have been so sick of it and you would have cringed, but to have that separation is really nice. It is. Um, What are you going to do next? Ooh, I have something you'll know on Monday. (laughs) I'm doing, I'm doing a film um, and they're going to, yeah, we're just in the final stages of, Oh, good. Congrats. Film Thank is, you. I think film is amazing. And I, I'm, I, you know, you've worked so much in TV and everyone talks about TV, but it does feel like there is a shift where movies are being made again and yeah. being watched again. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was hard, you know, having us be on in theaters and on streamers because, you know, you want people who don't feel comfortable to be able to watch it. You want as many people as possible to see it, but you also want people to go to the theater. And, you know, this movie was definitely shot for the big screen. But I think people can enjoy a movie at home. You know, if you're going to sit and binge watch for six hours or something and like, you know, you can sit and watch a film that's an hour and 50 minutes. Um, What were your inspirations film, film wise? Well, you know, I loved just leaning in unabashedly to the rom-com. We, you know, we have references to Pretty Woman and Say Anything and we got people running through airports and it was kind of not feeling like we had to reinvent the wheel. But Notting Hill is obviously, you know, has shares so many similarities. Yeah, Busby Berkeley, we definitely did a lot of that. Um, our, my cinematographer and I watching the old dance numbers and, but yeah, it was really, I, I think sometimes to go to your first question about the rom-com, there's this like, well, we can't do the same thing. It's a formula. We have to change it. And I think there's something unsatisfying in that because it is, it is a fun genre. No, totally. <laughs> so is blowing shit up, you know? And like, <laughs> exactly. You can do it over and over again, but I think yeah. there's a way where you put somebody like, Jennifer Lopez in the well, also it's about a woman who's an artist finding her voice. It is about yeah. the, you know, modern relationship to social media. It's it's a concert. It's also a concert. One of the things I was really passionate about was not just seeing a snippet of a song, but really finding songs that we could weave into the narrative so that you can play out the whole song. And when did she write those songs? Oh, those are written by all different people. So we, Universal has an amazing music um, department and yeah, they submitted hundreds of songs and we would all listen to them. But we had 40 different Marry Me's. Um, there were, Church was a song that Jennifer had in her archives that had never been released, which great. is an awesome song. Maluma wrote his songs and the one he writes when they're doing the breakup on the rooftop was really interesting because we were working on script Elaine and Harper Dill and I, and we were like, yeah, it'd be cool if he was singing something about second chances. So we just kind of said second chances song. And then Maluma went and wrote Segundo, which is one of my favorite songs. Yeah. (laughs) Improv day love song. Um, great. Well, thanks. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it was 29 and like we, we shot during prep. And I come from like my, my second film, I shot in 11 days. Like I know that 29 feels like a lot, but with the amount of locations and the moving parts, it felt kind of like an 11 day movie. Um, we, yeah, we shot, um, Coney Island during prep just with a small crew 
we shot Jimmy Fallon during prep, also a small crew. And then the Madison Square Garden sequence we shot during a Madison Square Garden concert that Maluma was having, um, just kind of piggybacked on him, put our, you know, had her rise up out of the stage. Um, so there was a lot of that kind of stuff. That's a, that's a, you're running and gunning with JLo. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's amazing. She's, she's amazing. I mean, she really is like when you, you do hear about actors who are producers who don't really, you know, engage in that way, but she was really down. She knew what we were doing. She was very game. Oh yeah. Like if you watch, she, she softens as the film, you know, she starts very angular, metallic, hard, and then she softens and goes into the sweater world and the pink fluffy. And then when she goes back to Maluma, she's back in the metallic and the tight and the, you know, the wedding dress weighed 95 pounds, which we always really loved the symbolism of that, you know, that big burden basically of this wedding that is for the public, not for her and has nothing to do with her. And the dress was so tight and constricting and, you know, and then at the formal she's in something that's really comfortable and, and soft and, um, and yeah, we, I had Carolyn Duncan was my, um, costume designer and she worked really closely with, with JLo and with, um, Jennifer's stylist, Rob Zangardi. And again, it was like, it was a lot about differentiating. Of course there's going to be overlap, but how is it different? It was, Yeah. They were, they're awesome. Like a lot of times my job was like, here's the emotional feel. And now you guys work your magic. I'm not going to tell her how to dress. And she was very good in, at slapstick when she was running through the airport in that tight yes. red latex yeah. dress. You're, you know, that costume was amazing, but also that she was doing really classic, yeah. funny slapstick, you know, she can do it humor. all. She can do it all. You knew that. Uh, Zuhair Murad. I mean, it, w- it was funny because she had to wear it quite a lot, many days, and it was so heavy and uncomfortable um, because it's meant to be worn for an event. Uh, but it ended up really being like informing, you know, what that whole relationship was about, which was not about her. <laughs> and how did you cast that role? The- Maluma? Maluma. Um, well, you know, my first priority was someone who could perform on a stage with her. Because again, if you have, you know, some great actor, but then he gets up there and he can't perform with her, you lose so much of what their relationship is about. And I always loved the idea that it's it's not a fake relationship, but it's a relationship based on artistic collaboration and the confusion that comes out of that, you know, rather than perhaps love. And so having someone who could perform was the priority. And um, I remember one night Elaine sent me a clip of him on a, on, a night, on a Tonight Show or Late Night Show. And I was like, wow, who is this? He's so charming. You know, only to find out that he's a huge superstar. Yeah. And in the, you know, in the Latin community in Colombia and Mexico, he's just enormous. Um, and... Yeah, and then he turned out to be to a great actor. He's and so a softness sweet. that's not yeah. your typical villain in in a rom com. You know, there's supposed yeah, to be yeah. We never wanted him to be a jerks. villain. He's young. Yeah. He's on top of the world. He has women literally throwing themselves <laughs> yeah. at him, and he's not ready to get married. Is the truth right? But there is a, and he's a good actor. He's he a great, really actor. good actor. Yeah. But also the softness and the chemistry he had with Jennifer was kind of 
Well, and they, again, they have such... I kind of rooted for them once or twice. <laughs> but that's good, you yeah. know? I mean, she says it in the film. She's like, it would be, if everyone, if someone was all bad, it would be so much easier. Yeah. And he, yeah, he is a lovely, lovely person. And that was really his first time acting. Um, and he, he is He's awesome. a natural. He's a natural. He's a natural. <laughs> all right. Well, yep. I think we're getting the... All wrap right. it up thanks guys all right i it's nice to see even a small group in the theater it's it so feels fun good. <laughs> thanks for listening to another dga q a if you'd like to hear more the director's cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts and please share subscribe rate and review we'd love to hear your feedback and you can help fellow film buffs find the show thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 